thinner. But how? What would that look like? And do we even really want Jesus at the center of our Christmas? This morning, I'm going to ask a question of each of us. The question is, what is it that you really want for Christmas? What is it that you really want for Christmas? As you start to think about that, this year, let me tell you how I kind of digest Christmas. I can get caught up in gifts. This year, Jessica and I, she's looking at me like, don't tell that story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. This is true confessions, lay it all out. We went out on Black Friday, really on Thanksgiving night. We left 9 o'clock. We did not get home till the next morning at 8.30. Hardcore is right. And we spent our fair share of cash, and I waited in line, and I ran out and got, uh, got, out, got a, a coffee for us to sustain us through, but by the end, I was pretty tired. You know, I, at, at the end of Black Friday, I told Jessica, I was like, man, being around and doing all this shopping, there were things that I never knew I wanted. By the end of the, by the, end of the day or by the end of the morning or whatever you call it, I'm saying, boy, I really like that. <laughs> I felt like I was in China. I got stuck in China, me and Rick did, and we, we got busted, and the Bibles, we couldn't, we couldn't give out the Bibles, couldn't smuggle them, and so we became professional shoppers for like a week, and, and uh, remember the feeling? You go back to the shops every day, and at the beginning, you're like, I don't want this junk, and by the end, it's like, I can't get enough of this stuff, and that's what I felt like, and sometimes Christmas is like that for me. And I remember as a child, and maybe you can remember back to your childhood days, making a list for your parents. My mom would say, write it down and we'll, we'll consider it. I remember going through catalogs early and saying, oh man, this is what I want, this is what I need. And then I remember also one Christmas sneaking around. I'm sure none of you guys did this. My parents had a waterbed, and they had tunnels underneath the waterbed. They would store Christmas gifts there. I don't know why they did that, because they knew, we knew that that's where they put them. And my mom and dad, they had a rule. They said, if you sneak, snoop, thank you, if you snoop, we will return those gifts, and you will not get those gifts. Well, I thought I was clever. I thought I'd go and snoop a little, and I had no idea how my mom and dad knew this, but they took the train that I had asked for, that I wrote down, they took it back because I had snooped. They found out somehow, and I didn't get the train I always wanted. <laughs> it's true. It's a true story. But I like getting good things. Do you like getting good gifts? Like nice things? Yeah, I know I do. But when I think about Christmas as well, and this is the last little bit, I can be a little Scrooge-ish as, at times as well. Any Scrooges here, admittedly? Uh, one or two, one or two, I see your hands. And some, I saw some elbows, you know, saying, uh, raise your hand. And as a pastor, you know, there's a balance, okay, there is. And as a pastor, it can be stressful. Just put yourself in my shoes for a second. You're saying, boy, Christmas time, it comes every year. You're like, what should I preach about? Well, it's the same story that you've heard for years and years and years. We were talking about this with a group of pastors. It's like, how do you put a new twist on baby in a manger, right? And so it can be stressful, and, and there's lots of stress, whether it's family stress, parties, um, just, you know, the decorations, the presents, all these things. 
but I want us to focus this morning on what is it really that I want, that you want for Christmas above all else. And when we talk about what you really want, it speaks to your desire, your heart. And I want us to take a hard, honest look saying, okay, what is it this Christmas that I really want? And before you start coming up with answers, let's all admit that is a really hard question to answer, isn't it? Well, but I want us to come to grips to complete this statement. All I want for Christmas really is, and then fill in the blank. As we leave here today, I'm hoping that you'll be able to do that. And again, what that want is, it's your desire, it's your heart. And don't be so sure that your heart can't be deceived. The Bible says that our heart is easily deceived. And we can we could say one thing or think one thing. We could put in the blank uh, what we think, but then the way we act, our actions don't always match up with our what we say. We know that Christ should be at the center, and it's really what we need. But what signs? What would that look like? What benefit would it be? Uh, if we were to do that. And my prayer is that we would all be able to answer that all I want for Christmas is Jesus. And I know that sounds cliche. And I know I used a Mariah Carey to kind of open up this morning. And, but we're going to redeem that song. I'm either, if you love that song, you're going to love it even more. And if you hated that song, you're going to be able to tolerate it more because we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But what benefits are there? What would that mean? What would it look like? And so we want to boil down what Christmas means and for all of us. And let's look at God's Word to be able to explore that. So grab your swords, grab your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, just stand right up and we're going to embarrass you. No, just kidding. You can slip back. There's Bibles on the back table. We want everyone to be looking at these scriptures with us. And the first place I want you to turn is to John chapter 3, verse 16. Some of you could memorize this, probably most of us, but we're going to look at 16 and 17 as we launch into God's Word and look at Christmas boiled down. What is Christmas all about? Well, this is what Christmas is about. John 3.16, you can read it along with me. It says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Amen? But then verse 17 clarifies even a little bit more. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. So if you're here this morning and you're saying, boy, boy you know, I, it's been a long time since I've been to church or, or I, you know, I'm not so sure about this Christianity thing, know this, that you are not here to be condemned. But listen, Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Christmas is all about Jesus loving the world, providing a way for us to have relationship with him. I love what Romans chapter 5 verse 17 says. It says that we are made righteous by one man. It was Christ's gift to us, Christmas. And this was God's plan from the very beginning of time. From the beginning, it was Jesus it was God's plan for Jesus to be the Savior of the world. Riddled from Genesis to Revelation, God reveals His plan bit by bit by bit. And God spoke 
to the Old Testament prophets about this coming champion. And it's important for us to understand that God was speaking through his prophets for a reason. Because how many know the Israelites, when you study the Old Testament, the Israelites often didn't get it right away. They'd be on and then they'd be off. They'd be serving God, then they'd be serving idols. They'd be praising God and then they'd be cursing God. They would flounder quite a bit. And how many of us can relate to that at times in our own lives? That we're on, we're, we love the Lord, we're pa- passionate for Christ, and then we're not so passionate. Or we're you know, discouraged, we get down, or we, get, we, we, we struggle. And so it's important as you understand that the Old Testament prophets were there for a reason that we, that God is still speaking to us. Frequently the Israelites were under attack, tribes and empires, it was the Philistines, and then it was the Babylonians. In Christ's time, it was the Romans that had all the control. The Israelites would build their walls, they'd build their homes, their temples, and then they'd be destroyed, and then they'd rebuild them. And you know, when we look at the story of the Israelites, really from an Old Testament perspective, from a real wide angle, our stories are much like that, aren't they? That we're on, we're off, there's attack, destruction, rebuild, And you know what? God, he spoke to the Old Testament prophets and he's speaking to us this morning. For the second half of the Old Testament, the Jewish people were in exile. They were in slavery. Many of the Jewish people would have become cynical, faithless, embittered. They longed for the great days of King David and King Solomon. And it was in this context where they were in exile that the prophets urged the people once again, to have faith. They encouraged them. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Micah, and many others saying, look, wait for one more king. Just when God's people needed hope, God sent spokesmen to broadcast a better future. A king would rescue his people and restore them to God. And over 300 times there were prophecies made in the Old Testament forecasting about Jesus. And did you know that most of those prophecies have been fulfilled and the few that are left will be fulfilled because we believe God's word is true? Isn't that awesome? And so I want to look at some of these prophecies. In the first place I want to to, uh, encourage you to look is Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, where it talks about Christ being born of a virgin. Just take a second here and put yourself in Isaiah's shoes. You better know that it's God if you're going to write it out or say, there is someone coming that has been, will be born of a virgin. I mean, that's beyond our imagination, isn't it? But he wrote it down, and God performed that miracle. How about Micah chapter 5, verse 2? A ruler would come out of Bethlehem, a small community, and it, and it talks about that. There's references in Jeremiah that, that Jesus would be a teacher. He would flow in healing ministry and in miracles. How about Isaiah 53.3, where it says that Jesus would enjoy public favor, but then be despised and rejected. A couple of verses later, it says that he would be pierced and crushed and beaten. And we know this. There's even a spot in Psalm chapter 22, David writing this, as a prophecy about Christ being crucified. 
And you know what's interesting about that? Crucifixion was not even uh, an established way of, of killing uh, a criminal. But it, it, it mentions crucifixion, the idea of crucifixion. And then I love this in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6. It says, you will do more than restore the people of Israel. Talking about Jesus. I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Again, speaking of Christ's purpose in our lives, to seek to save that which was lost. We see God's plan revealed throughout Scripture. And for the Old Testament believers, they look forward to this Savior. But we are New Testament believers. We can see the plan unfold through the Gospels that Jesus was the answer. And I believe we have an advantage over the Old Testament believers that we can look back and know exactly who Jesus is is. And if we are serious, if you are serious about your walk with the Lord, you can look at scripture and glean who Jesus is. And I believe as we do that, as we're serious about who Jesus is, how it relates to what do we want for Christmas, and the heart be, my heart for each of us is that we would say, all I want for Christmas is more of Jesus. And we can look at one more prophecy in Isaiah that just jumped out at me this week, and actually the last couple weeks in preparation for this morning. And so I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This is a popular uh, prophecy about Jesus. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, seen at most Christmas services, but I want to read it anyway. And I want you to consider, when you consider what you want for Christmas, this is what you can experience. This is what you can have if you're, uh, if you're found on your knees before Jesus. This is what it says. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says, For to us a child is born, right? To us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. A lot of good stuff there, but look at this next little bit. It says, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Wow. When you look at that and consider who Jesus is and what Jesus has to offer us, I want to look at these four names. The first one is Wonderful Counselor. How many know we need that? Wisdom. Com a comforter. We need understanding. And when it says a wonderful counselor, that means it's beyond good. A wonderful counselor is exactly what we need. How about a mighty God? A God full of power. A God that is able to meet us right where we are. We consider a mighty God as our creator, a ruler, an authority in our lives. And how important is it for us to understand what a mighty God is? And could we experience that this season? How about everlasting Father? A forever Father for eternity. And we look at that word Father or Abba, it could be Daddy. How many know that a father is quick to forgive his son? Yeah? When my son messes up, I can get pretty upset, but really there's a soft heart towards my son 
Now, when your son messes up, it's e- how many know it's easier for me to forgive my son than maybe it would be to forgive yours? Right? Think about it. Our Heavenly Father, our everlasting Father, is willing to forgive. His Word says it. He is, uh, he is anxious to forgive when we say we're sorry. An everlasting Father, full of grace, full of mercy, never failing. And you know what? A Father is a provider. And you can put that, all that together for everlasting Father. And then how about this? A Prince of Peace. When there's peace, there's absence of fear. And some of us this morning may be bound by fear. A prince of peace is in control. A giver of peace, there's eternal life. John 17, 3 talks about that. And we consider these things, a prince of peace, an everlasting father, a wonderful counselor, a mighty God. And again, I want you to consider, all I want for Christmas is what? Could I challenge your thinking this morning? That maybe if you were thinking about that next iPod or that Kindle or that next toy or next new outfit, that maybe all you want for Christmas, maybe there's something more than that, something bigger, something better than all of that. The Old Testament believers, they look forward to a Savior. And God used the prophets to foreshadow His coming, but we get to look back on a Savior that was riddled throughout Scripture. We can read the Gospels and understand that Jesus came to seek to save us. And the fact is we all need a Savior. But do we desire that? Is that your desire? For you to humble yourself? And the fact is, is that your desire, what you want, is your choice. What do you really want for Christmas? Do you struggle? Do you wrestle with the idea of worldly goods versus things that are more godly? I know I do at times. And I've shared very openly how at times I can struggle with materialism with the best of them. I want to look good. I want to, you know, I want the, the latest, the greatest at times. And I got to keep that in check because I can let those things overshadow, like our video said, what's truly important. And I know if I struggle, I know that we all struggle. And my question is, could it be different this year? As you leave here today, could your mindset be different? And I believe that yes, it can. We started with the Mariah Carey song, All I Want for Christmas. And I want to change a couple of the words because you know, I know for those of you that love the song, uh, you're going to love it even more. For those of you that tolerate the song, we're going to redeem the song. And we're going to change the word wish to prayer, the word baby to Jesus, okay? And then where it says underneath the mistletoe, this is the point. We're going to say, it's on my knees in worship. Oh, okay? So listen, all right? All right, so just follow along with me. And you're going to be singing this song all season long. You're not going to be able to get this out of your head. All right, so I printed off the words. And so just go with me. I'm not going to sing it, okay? So don't worry. Don't leave, all right? All right, so it says, I don't want a lot for Christmas. Well, I kind of do, all right? But, But let's focus here. There's just one thing I need. Think about it. The words. I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. So far, so good. I just want you for my own, more than you could ever know. Make my wish, I mean my prayer come true. All I want for Christmas is you. So far, so good, right? 
Then it says, I don't need to hang my stockings there up on the fireplace. Santa Claus won't make me happy with a toy on Christmas Day. Okay, I just want you for my own. Think about it with Jesus. More than you could ever know, make my prayer come true. All I want for Christmas is you. You, Jesus. Yeah. And then there's one more verse that kind of reprises. It says, oh, I won't ask for much this Christmas. I won't even wish for snow. And I'm just going to keep on waiting on my knees in worship. Oh, okay. I just want you for my own more than you could ever know. Make my prayer come true. All I want for Christmas is you. Now, I've ruined it for you. I know. If you liked that song before, now I know you love it even more. For those that didn't like it, you're saying, okay, I can see where you're going. But seriously, we need Jesus. From the bottom of my heart, can I say as your pastor, you need Jesus. Jesus more than you even know. There are many of us this morning that need a fresh touch from God. A fresh touch. As I was praying and asking God to, to, to reveal uh, his plan for these services for this Sunday and for the next couple Sundays and uh, looking at the idea of all I want for Christmas, what was burdened on my heart is that there are many of us that are dry, thirsty. And I was reminded of that as I traveled and got together in the small groups that many of you participated in. There are many of you that said in our evaluation nights, saying, you know what? We need a move of God. There were many of you that said, I need a move of God. I want to be touched by God. I want things to be different. And so my challenge is, what do you really want this year? What do you need? I believe that you need a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting Father, a Prince of Peace to move, to rule and reign in your life. When we consider what a wonderful counselor is, to seek the counsel of the Holy Spirit, maybe you're up against a situation where you need direction. Thinking of Melissa, you're saying, I don't know what's next. You need a wonderful counselor to lead and to guide. And many of us need that. How about a mighty God? There may be things in our lives that are difficult, that are hard. We need God to move in a spiritual, in a powerful way. We need a mighty God. You need a mighty God. But you know what? In Scripture... God often will respond to our measure of faith. So we put our faith in Christ. We need an everlasting Father to forgive us, to provide grace, to provide provision for us. And then that last piece, the Prince of Peace. As I was preparing and just asking the Lord, my mind went to many circumstances that I'm aware of that you guys are facing, that we're facing. In many cases, it's turmoil, confusion, pain of loss. You know what? In those times, fear can creep in and get a hold. And what you need is the Prince of Peace to come into your life 
once again. And I know that the majority of us here are believers. And I know that, that, that there may be some that aren't, but let me speak to the believers here for a moment. Those that have given their heart to the Lord, have, have experienced Christ in the past. Do you want Him this season? Do you want Him again to be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting Father? Prince of Peace in your situation? I love what Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 describes Christ. In fact, let's, let's turn there for a moment. You knew we'd get to the New Testament at some point here. Matthew chapter 1 verse 23. Let's start in verse 23. Two, it says that all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets. And we've, we talked about that. It says, The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. God with us. Emmanuel. This is what I need as your pastor. Emmanuel. And my hunch it says it's exactly what you need as well. So the question this morning is, are you dry? Are you thirsty? Do you need a fresh touch from God, an anointing? Perhaps you need direction or provision. Maybe you need forgiveness this morning. Maybe you need God's grace. Maybe there's a circumstance where you need a little faith to take that next step to trust in God. Or maybe you just need a little joy, a little peace this morning. And what's so great about God is that He could be working in one person, one area, while He's working in you in a totally different area. And God wants to do that. But it comes down to what do you need? What do you want? How many would just say, we don't need any more decorations or presents or family <laughs> or food or goodies. We don't need any toys or new clothes. What we need, our, what our desire should be, what our heart's desire should be, is to be on our knees in worship. I asked the question, what would it look like if you would answer the question, all I want for Christmas is Jesus? I believe the response to that would be that you would be on your knees before him, asking him to be the Prince of Peace, an everlasting Father, to be a mighty God, to be your wonderful counselor. And I believe God wants to do that this morning. He wants to meet us right here this morning. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes this morning. No one looking around. If you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, that really hits home as far as needing a fresh touch or God to move in my life in one of these areas. Would you be honest and just lift up your hand this morning? Say, yeah, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. Hands all over. Yeah. In just a moment, I'm going to ask for us to respond and to consider all I want for Christmas Jesus and to 
find ourselves on our knees in worship to the Lord. But there it's very possible that you're here this morning and don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. And I don't want to just blow through this time and not give you an opportunity to surrender your life to the Lord. And believers, I'm going to ask that you be praying and asking God just to speak to the person next to you that if they don't know the Lord or if they're away from the Lord, that they would respond this time, saying, God, help us. Help me. If you're here this morning and that's you, would you be bold enough to say, you know, I need Jesus in my life as my Savior. Would you just slip up your hand right where you are? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Anyone else saying, yeah, that's me. The Holy Spirit's working on my life. I, I realize that's what I need anyone else this morning? Amen. Amen. Can I get your eyes here for a moment? I mentioned last week how important these moments are at Christmas. People's hearts are often open to receive the gospel. I just want to challenge you next week We've got a service designed for unbelievers. We've got kids that will be here. The choir will be singing. And can I encourage you to bring someone that doesn't know the Lord next week? This morning, one gentleman raised his hands. We're going to pray with him here in just a moment. And, uh, and I'm going to ask him to come forward when, when others of you will move. But how many know there's more than one in this community that need the Lord? Could it be that God would put it in our heart to reach out beyond ourselves? Say, oh, I'll be foolish, or I'll, I'll, I'll look silly at work, or oh, everyone knows that Christmas is about Jesus. I'm not sure they do. Could I challenge you? Could I challenge us in our faith this morning? I'm going to ask that you would stand, everyone here. And if you raised your hand just a few seconds ago, saying, you know what, God is dealing with me in a certain area that I may be dry or thirsty, or I need direction or provision. I'm in need of forgiveness or joy and peace. I need a, to take a step of faith. I'm going to ask that you would move. We've, got, we've left time to be able to respond to God, and to be on our knees in worship and put Him at the center of everything that Christmas is about. So would you move? Would you respond? Would you come and pray? And we'll spend a moment here and ask God to, to move in these ways. Let's just move as the Lord would lead you to do. And uh, I think it's Jean, maybe. I want you to come and uh, pray. I want to pray with you.